0: Well, today is a sad day because today is the last we're hearing from Stuart Shipp, so... Well, we are wrapping up talking about Right on the Money, and we have been on a great journey together through all of this. We, we started this whole thing looking at this question, is it ownership or is it stewardship? Are, are we owners of the stuff or are we stewards? Are we managers of the stuff? That, that's, that's the question that, that we asked, that we started with, that we wanted us to look at together. And when we understand that it's stewardship, that a steward is somebody who they make managing decisions that pleases the owner. That's what a steward does. And so we looked at that. We looked at this idea of a change of perspective. And as we looked at this change of perspective, we looked at money and we looked at it from a standpoint of that there's three things that we need to understand about it. That we need to understand that money, that it is a tool. It's, it's a tool that we get to use. We looked at this and said it's also a test. It's something about it that it tests our character. There's something about money also that it's a trademark. It's a trademark on us when it comes to how it is that we manage this and what other people see with us when it comes to the money. And so we looked at this, and it's so important to make sure that we get this money right because the love <laughs> of money competes with our love for God. And that, that we shouldn't love the money, that we need to love God, and so we've got to have a change of perspective so that we're not allowing the stuff to own us, that we just manage what it is that God owns. Last week, we looked at, so what? We looked at this question of, so what? What, what, what are we going to sow? And I, and I had an apple out here, and we, we just cored it, and we put all the fruit, and we sliced it all off, and, and that core just has where all those seeds are. It's where the seeds exist and that we looked at this idea that that tie, that tent, that, that center of our what we manage, it, it belongs to God, and we want to take that core, that seed money, we want to plant it. We want to plant it so that it's going to produce even more. We looked in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul, the, the apostle, was leading and teaching this church that he had started a while back, and he's writing to them and encouraging them to be people that are going to give toward ministry. And as he does, he, he tells them, that everybody needs to decide in their heart how much they're going to give. That we all need, that's what we do. Decide in your heart how much you're going to give. And he said, and don't give reluctantly. Don't, don't hold back. Don't give to pressure. Don't, don't go, oh, I, I have to. Don't give to pressure. And they told us that God loves it when we give cheerfully. Or another way to look at that is God loves a cheerful giver. But but when we looked at that passage, we saw that there was something before and after that Paul was talking to us about. And he talked to us and he said, hey, remember this, that a farmer who who just plants just a few seeds, they're just going to get a small crop. But but the farmer that, that, that scatters and plants a lot of seeds, they're going to get a large crop. And so, so what is it we're doing when it comes to the planting of the seeds? Are, are we trying to consume those seeds or use those for ourselves? Are we trying to be greedy with the seeds so that we can have more and, and that's what we're going to keep reaping? Or are we going to be people that we're going to say, hey, we want to be good stewards and we want to plant generosity. We want to give back to God and watch what that does and watch God continue to produce so that we can continue to be faithful to Him. That this law of the harvest... And when it comes to the law of the harvest is you, you reap what you sow. And so if we sow generosity, we're going to reap gener- But if we sow greed, we're just going to become more and more greedy. And, and greed doesn't bring happiness. And so we've got to be cautious. What you, you reap what you sow. You reap later than you sow. You don't get it right away. It's going to come later. But you reap more than you sow. And that's the law of of the harvest so what is it that we are sowing we need to be intentional about it and today we're going to wrap up with worry-free money management and and when i share that worry-free money management i can only imagine that there's some of you in the room that are going that's not really a thing is it that that you really can't have no worries with the money. Right? Yeah, that's not a real thing. And that some of you, you just become so conditioned to believing that, you know, you're always going to have to worry about the money. And then there's going to be some in the room that are going, that's one of the best things that we ever achieved is we moved and positioned ourselves to where we do have worry-free money management. And it, it is something that, that, that has changed our lives. That, that is so important for us to, to get this and to understand this. And so when we think about this, that it's going to require adjusting to stewardship from ownership. That, that if we're going to have worry-free money management, we, we've got to shift from ownership, we've got to shift into stewardship. And when we do this, we're going to have to make some changes. That, that We're going to have to have a change of perspective. That we're going to have to have a change of perspective of of going, okay, I I need to think about things differently. We are going to have to have a change of attitude if we're going to be stewards instead of owners. And then when we do this, this change of perspective and this change of attitude, it can bring worry-free money management. That there are two things that determine how we manage money. And that this applies to any and everybody. That you might be somebody that you're going, yeah, I, I, I don't know what I believe about God. I, I don't know what I believe about the Bible. But, but it doesn't matter that this is true of whoever you are, that there are two things that determine how we manage our money. Number one is priorities. It, it's, it, it's how it determines how we, how we manage this. It's our priorities. And our priorities come down to two things, obligations and desires. Uh, th- th- that's it. It, it. It's the obligations of the... Our priorities are based on what are we already obligated to, what are we going to obligate ourselves to, and what is it that we desire that we're going to commit to? It's priorities. So what's the other piece? The other piece is discipline. That it's, it's priorities and discipline. These are the two things that we use to determine how we manage money. And when it comes to the discipline. Discipline keeps our actions aligned to our priorities. That's what discipline does. In any and every area of life, and especially with money, That, that when we have the discipline, it keeps our actions aligned with our priorities. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at a, a piece of a conversation that Jesus was having with a very large crowd that he was speaking to. And, and, and so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, 24, but I'm going to tell you what he had already said in verse 21 before we get to this. And, and what he said in verse 21 is he had said this. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The, what, whatever it is that you're treasuring in life, that's, that's where your, heart, your heart's going to be with what you treasure. So let's start in verse 24 as we start reading. He says no one can serve two masters. That you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So if I were to paraphrase that last part, it's important, it's impossible to serve stuff and serve our savior. It's impossible. It's impossible to serve the stuff and go, hey, I want the stuff, I want the stuff, I want the stuff. It's impossible to serve that and serve the Savior, our Savior. So Jesus goes on, verse 25. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. You can't serve stuff and serve your Savior. So that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you will have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more Than food and your body more than clothing and it is our our life is so much more than this Jesus that he had something to stand on when he was even saying this he had already been tempted in the wilderness he was fasting for 40 days and one of the things that Satan tempted him with was with food for him to and he's like I I don't live on bread alone but I I, I live on my relationship and, and the words that my heavenly father says to me and he finds more nutrition from that than just from the food alone that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food whether and drink or enough clothes to wear isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing. And when we worry, worry gets the best of us when we stress too much, when we fret too much, when we cry too much, when we lash out too much. See, we need worry-free financial living we need worry-free money management we absolutely need this verse 26 look at the birds they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are listen humanity we are god's prized creation. Everything else that God created, He spoke it, He spoke it, He spoke it, He spoke it. But when it came to creating people that after He created, He breathed his own breath and breathed life into us and created us. that we are His most pri- and if he cares for the birds, how much more is he going to care for you? Verse 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can they? Can can all your worries add a single moment to your life? It's interesting when we start looking at this Hebrew language because we understand a lot more and it's more descriptive now. The New Testament, it's actually written in Greek. But as Jesus is speaking to this audience that he might have even been speaking in Aramaic, but they're very familiar with the Hebrew language. And the Hebrew it's just so descriptive. I just want to give you an example of one thing, and then I'm going to share with you something about worry. So, so one, the, the word anger in Hebrew, the, the, the vivid picture of this that they have in this language, the Hebrew language, is that anger means flaring nostrils. Okay? It, it's just so descriptive. And, and you know, we, we get it, you know, when we're angry, Right? And so what's this worry? They have this this imagery for worry, too. And and, and worry, in Hebrew, it means to choke the life out of. To choke the life out of. And so Jesus, he's keep talking, and and as he keeps talking, he's talking to us about worry and how we shouldn't be worrying. Don't worry because he knows what it does. It, It chokes the life out of us. And here's the truth. That when there is worry about finances in the household, it brings so much angst and anger and tension. And one of the greatest things that could happen in our households is if we could get to worry-free money management. The, the, the peace that we could have in our home you can't begin to imagine if you've not experienced this, the kind of peace that you can have when you don't have financial worries. And so we want to get to the bottom of and figure out how can we have worry-free money management. So Jesus said can all of your worries can can add a single moment to your life and so let's just all answer that question together out loud. Can this, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No, No, it can't. But you know what it can do? It can take away some weeks, some months, maybe years from your life and or your relationships. So it's just not worth it. So what do we need to do? How can we get there? Let's look at more of what Jesus had to say. Verse 28, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. And they don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And you might not know who Solomon is. But Solomon was one of the kings of Israel. And, and he was the wealthiest king of Israel. And possibly the wealthiest person in all of the Old Testament. And so he had all of his wealth at his disposal. And Jesus, he, everybody knows who Solomon was as he's talking to them. And he's saying... <laughs> And it paled, what he had pales in comparison to the beauty of the lilies of what God did and how he's provided for them. Verse 30, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Why why do do you trust God so little that worrying always involves an absence of trust That that when we worry no matter what it is whether it's about the money whether it's about hey Where's our kid right now? Whenever we worry? It's this absence of it always involves an. I don't trust that everything's okay I don't trust that everything's gonna work out It, It always involves an absence of trust and when we worry about our lives and we worry about the money instead of following what God's plan is, we're saying we don't trust God. So how do we get to this place where we can trust Him? Throughout the series, we've been talking about percentage and and thinking in terms of percentage, thinking in terms of of percentage giving, because a tithe is is a word that's a measurement word, and it means tenth, and so that's a percentage, a tenth. That we've looked at this idea of, of, hey, what if if we gave a tenth? What if we saved a tenth? And what if we lived on 80? You know, these percentage things. So let me ask you a percentage question. When it comes to the, the resources that are coming in, what is the percent they would have to increase by for you to have no financial worries? an interesting thought process because some people in the room you're going it's a dumb exercise I'm not playing <laughs> so you didn't even think of anything but some of you are going yeah I don't, I don't know that there's any amount of money that would keep me from worrying and then there's some of you in here that, that you're, you're going to land more like where I, I would typically land and certainly where I was in my past and that would have been somewhere between two And three times of what I have now. And what happened to me over the years is that that when I got to a place where I had two times as much as what I had before, my answer didn't change. When I get two to three times and wherever I moved it was always two to three. Even there was a time in my life when I moved backwards. And I was still good with just two to three times. I didn't need, now that I moved backwards, four to five. It, it was just always this, this idea of somewhere between that. And, and when we look at it that way, that, that we're not looking at it from, from a management standpoint and being able to make the most of what we have. That, that when we worry, we, we just don't trust. And, and so I don't think that there's this large amount that we can just jump to and we're not going to worry anymore. Instead, I think it comes back down to How is it that we're managing what we have? And it's the management, not so much the amount in most cases, that determines whether there's worry or whether there's not. So Jesus had more to say here. Verse 31. So don't worry about these things, these temporary things, the stuff, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. If you were with us last week when we were looking in in Corinthians and and seeing what was being shared here and taught here, is that not only is God going to provide our needs, He wants to provide more than our needs so that we can do what? So that we can give to others in need. That it will provide more than we need. And He already what? He already knows our needs. But it's interesting that the dominating pursuit of stuff, it, it, it's for the people. It's for the people that have no eternal perspective of life. that is for the unbelievers. And so let's not be people that we're so consumed with it. And so then Jesus offers us this as the direction. He creates all the awareness of what's going on. And then he offers us this in verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. It's above the stuff. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. It's just a fancy way of saying live right according to what God knows what's right. Live righteously. And He will give you everything you need. Over and over and over we are shown and told and taught that God will give us everything we need. And seeking first the kingdom of God, it involves stewarding that pleases our Savior. That if we're going to seek first the kingdom of God, then we have to make stewarding decisions. How are we going to use our time in a way, God, that you've given me this time. How am I going to use these resources that, that are here at my disposal? And so let's look at how to maximize your stewardship. There's, there's three things that I want to share with you on how to maximize your stewardship. And, and these are sequential, and, and they go in order. And this first one is give to God first. That, that we would give to God first. That there are many people that they're going, hey, I, I want to give something. And you've even determined what you want to give. I want to give something. It might be a tithe. It might be more. It might be less. But you go, I, I want to give to God. But when you don't give to God first, then you get to the end of whatever this period is—the month or before the next paycheck comes, whatever, before the next bills due, and you're going, "Well, I, I wanted—I wanted to give, but—but but, but now I don't have." You—you you, you get there and you're like going, "Okay, God, I, I had more that I wanted to give you, but this is all I have right now, God. So, so God, here, here I'm, I'm going to give this to you, and I'm thankful for what you've done, and I, I hope I can do more next time." But—but but if you give to God first then that amount that you've determined you're going to give, and hopefully that, that if you're not already a tither, you're being nudged toward this because this is what God is showing us is the best way for us to live, is to be givers and to give to Him first. And so we give first, give to God first, and He gets the first piece. And we give it and now, everything else happens after this. That scripturally, we are given a, a minimum standard of what it is that that we would give to God. Look at this with me in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. You must set aside the tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all your crops that you harvest each year. Set those aside, okay? Verse 23, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship. That that's what we would do. Jesus was even asked about the tithe, and his answer was, yes, you should tithe, that we should be doing this. There is a pastor, his name's Randy Alcorn, and Randy Alcorn said this, tithing is the training wheels of giving. Tithing is the training wheels of giving. And, and I think for, for some of the room, that, that might be a really hard concept to grasp. Because you might look and go, okay, I, I'm, I'm here and, and tithing is, is here. And so how, how is that the training wheels? I, 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 was there training wheels before the training? How, how, do, I, how do I get there? But see, he says that tithing is the training wheels. of It's the minimum standard. It's where we should be starting from. And it's when we are tithing that we start being able to do a little bit of roaming and and moving around. And we don't have to be held up, but but we get some freedom here. And we got these training wheels that are working for us. That's where we get started with generosity. And then we grow beyond that. And the training wheels come off, and, and our generosity grows because we find that the significant joy that comes from a generous living but we should start with giving to God first and the adventure begins there so what's the second thing give to God first and save for the future is the second thing that if we want to maximize our stewardship save for the future Proverbs 21:20 20. The wise have wealth and luxury but fools spend whatever they get Years ago close to 2 decades I heard this concept the concept was you should have 3 to 6 months of your living expenses in savings when I heard this I was like <laughs> that's never going to happen. I mean I, I I looked at my financial situation. I had $60,000 in what I would just say consumer debt. That, that this debt that I I didn't have anything to show for it. This, the stuff that I had that I owed money for, I didn't even have any more. I had two cars. They both had car payments. I had a boat. It was on a 12-year loan. I had a house. I had debt, 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 and when I heard this, I was like, I tried to add it all up because of all my obligations, and then I looked at what my income is, and I was like, that's never going to happen. I mean, I'm, I, I patted myself on the back. I'm tithing. I'm giving to God, and then I'm just, I'm doing, just doing the rest, and I'm, I'm just keeping up, and, you know, and that's all. Savings? What, what, what's savings? I, I didn't have that. Now, now my wife, in her defense, she was never on board with that, but she kind of like defaulted to, okay, you're the leader of the home, you know. But, but she never wanted us to be in that kind of position. But I was the one that put us there. Well, some of it I dragged into the marriage, and so she knew that was coming. But, but then there was others that, that I just kept contributing to and, and contributing to the debt with her. And, and when I heard that, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe the audacity that somebody would say that we should have three to six. How would you ever get there? Because see, what happened was I was believing the lie that I would be financially hopeless my whole life. I just believed that lie. And I didn't, I didn't do much to change at that point. I, 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 was just, I, I was comfortable with all my debt. Very comfortable with it. I was comfortable with, with minimum payments on, on all those things that, that, I, that I was doing those minimum payments, with, and I was just comfortable with that. And, and part of the reason I think I was comfortable with it was two things. I was tithing. And my current credit card, I was paying off every month. And so I just got comfortable. And, and it took a while for, for me to, to have this wake up, be be woken and going, okay, what, 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 what could life be like? And it took some people in my life that, that started sharing some things with me that really began to give me a beginning of a possibility of, wow, things could be different. It really took some major changes because my, my, my 20-something-year-old self was a terrible money manager. And so I, as I'm sharing all this through, all this, I, I, I don't want to be the guy that you think. He's just pointing the finger at you for, for where you might be. I, I'm, I'm trying to push you somewhere. If really there, there's any truth to it, I'm trying to pull you somewhere. I'm trying to pull you somewhere because I know what it's like to have worry-free money management. I, I know what it's like, and it is very freeing, and we can get here, and I know what it's like now to have three to six months' worth of savings. I know what that's like, and I know the freedom that that brings to our family in the breathing room. But it's going to take some significant changes. That if you're not there, in order to get there, it is. It's going to take some major radical changes to do it. And for too long, I I believed the lie that I would always be financially hopeless until I turned it around and started seeing my priorities and acting with a discipline that matched my priorities that changed things around. Now, for us as a household, in full disclosure, we have debt. But we limit our debt to money-making debt. It's the only debt that we have in our home. And and I'm sharing Financial Peace University with you and trying to get you to go. And Dave Ramsey would not approve of my plan of having money-making debt. He'd be all about, hey, we'll do some things that's going to go make some money, but, but don't get debt to go do it. But that's just where I'm at. Some of you guys, you're, you're there too. You know what that's like. Some of you guys are living at a place, you're going, we, we don't have any, any debt. Some of you guys are at a place, you're going, well, we've got a, a house payment, and that's it. Some of you guys are living in a place, we've got a house payment, we've got a car payment, that's it. Some of you guys are living at, I don't even want to think about all the payments we have. Because it's depressing. But it's going to take you changing your priorities and having a discipline that's going to follow and you can get there. And when it comes to the savings, the savings comes when you get rid of the debt. Now you start putting and planning into savings. So we have two things so far that we give to God first. We save for the future. What's the third thing to maximize your stewardship? Spend your leftovers. Spend your leftovers. Some of you guys hear that and this is all you're already like, yeah, I just want to make, throw up in my mouth. <laughs> leftovers. Ugh. Because leftovers get a bad rap, don't they? I mean, here, we all know this to be true, I believe, right? I'll get an amen if this is true. Some foods were never meant to be reheated, <laughs> right? Right? And, and, and so, so, so leftovers gets a bad rap. However, there are some foods that taste better reheated than the first time around, amen. right? So, so for me, that's lasagna. Yes, right? The lasagna, it's better the second time around. I don't know why. It just is. And when we begin to have this perspective of spending the leftovers and thinking in terms of that lasagna, oh, yeah, yeah, the left, it's so much better to eat it and to spend it and to live on the leftovers. It is. I'm telling you, it is. And so what do we need to do to have this worry-free money management? That we need to maximize our stewardship and we need to just spend the leftovers. And that's the only part that we would be spending. So think about it like this. That there is a minimum that we should have when it comes to giving. There's a minimum. and God's laid it out and it says it's a tithe. Give to me a tithe. That's the minimum. Then he talks about other ways that we can give and care for others. And, and that's just above and beyond. There's, we got tithes, we got offerings. Those, those things we do. Then then there's a a moderate amount that, that we would save. And there's a maximum amount that we would spend. We need to think like this. That there's a minimum that we would give, that there's a moderate that we would save, and there's a maximum that we would spend. I'm so encouraged. We have over 70 people that signed up for FPU. Isn't that amazing? Started last week. Financial Peace University that, that started this last week, this nine weeks. And so that, that's great. There are people that said, you know what, $120, wow, nine weeks of my life, that's a big commitment to do both of those, but, but I'm in, and, and they did. But maybe you're somebody that you're going, you know what, I would have liked to have, but Tuesday nights didn't work. I would have liked to have, but you know what, I, I couldn't come up with that $120. Well, whatever the reason, I, I want to share with you a, another resource. And that other resource is this. And it's a website I want to drive you to. I was broke, now I'm not.com. That is a place worth going to. I was broke, now I'm not. And you can go there and you can check out things for yourself, but also not only is there individual resources for you, or there where there's some free tools, some budgeting tools, whether it's weekly budgeting, whether it's monthly budgeting, whether it's Christmas budgeting, they've got all these free tools for you to be able to use. They've got some books that's going to help you, and those aren't going to be free, but you can get those. But they've also got a study guide together. That you can come together with a small group of people and you can participate in a six weeks study to be able to go and start to have a direction. You're not going to be more than likely. You're not going to be, I was broke, now I'm not, in six weeks. But in six weeks, you can put together a plan. And in the six weeks, you can put together a plan that's going to show you a few things of how to develop a spending plan that actually works—not just a budget, but a spending plan that actually works. That here you're going to be able to see what are some strategies that I can use for eliminating debt because I can't see it right now. This is what's coming in. This is my. Obligation. How do I eliminate debt with that? You're going to get exposed to some strategies. What are some ways for you to be able to do this to accomplish it? What's the date? Oh, this is amazing. What is the date? that you would actually become debt free. You can identify it, you can mark a count. I was broke, now I'm not. But one of the things that we wanna do, is we've already got this kit, and, and, and we want journey teams to know that they can use this. That, that if your journey team wants to go through this and use this as a study, that this is something you can do, whether you're that leader and you want to talk to your peeps or or whether you're one of the peeps and you want to talk to the leader. But go, hey, is that something that we could do? Talk to your groups. Is that something you guys would be interested in? But it's a resource, and, and we've already paid for it, and we'll let you go through it. So I was broke. Now I'm not. See, it brings us full circle to where we started. Is it ownership? Or is it stewardship? So it brings us full circle to answering this question Is it ownership or is it stewardship? Where do we need to reorder our finances so that we can maximize our stewardship? We could give to God first, that we could save for the future, and that we would just spend the leftovers after that. So I want to offer you something this morning. But our ushers are going to be coming forward, and and they're going to be passing this out. And we've got a card, and it is a three-month tithe challenge, is what this card is. We've been talking a lot about this. And so some of you guys have been feeling a little bit of a nudge. We're like going, oh, I don't know. And maybe we just need to increase a little bit more, but I don't know. But here is the three-month tithe challenge for you. October, November, December. The challenge is this is if you will tithe, not tip, not not come up with just a random amount, 10% if you will tithe, this is a money-back guarantee. You heard me right. This is a money-back guarantee. That if you will be somebody that you'll look at, hey, what is it that God is letting me come in, come in that I'm managing, if you will tithe on that, you can do that for these three months. And if you get to the end of that, and you're like going, well, I, I, God, I, I feel like I'm worse off. God, I, I didn't feel like you were doing, I don't feel like I've had, had any joy. and Whatever, it you feel like, oh, you know, I, I've got more hardship now. Whatever your reason is, you, don't, you won't even have to explain it. Money back, guarantee. That you'll be able to call the office if you want to do it that way. You'll, you'll be able to email them. You can email me. It doesn't matter. But if you commit to do this, and, and, and you feel like at the end that you regret and you're like going, "This, this I shouldn't have done this. This wasn't right for me to do. Money back. Guarantee. It's the easiest way that I know how to, how to nudge some of you guys to what you're already thinking and going, I kind of think we should, but you start talking yourself back out of it. It's the easiest way I know to help you take your next step in the way that you're going to be generous. Back to your heavenly father who has been so generous to you. Pray with me. God, we'll never be able to outgive you. And I'm so grateful that it's not a competition. God, thank you so much for for what you do for us and and how you've given given us the opportunity to know you. God, how you provide for us here while we're on earth. God, I pray that, that we would all grow when it comes to money management. I pray that we would get to a place where, where we would not have financial worries, that we could have worry-free money management. God, I pray that we would be willing to start by giving you the first half. God, whether there's people that's going to give that here or they're going to give it somewhere else, but that they would do that, that they would trust you enough to give back what you've asked for. And experience the joy that comes from honoring you that way. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.